Hi, this is Aaron Blau with the Rising is One podcast. I'll be taking you through tonight's episode where we're going to hear Kyle and Dom talk about the remaining preseason matches. But first, a word about one of our sponsors. The Arizona Sports Complex is located on Pinnacle Peak Road near the I-17, and they have all sorts of great youth soccer, adult soccer, youth basketball, and volleyball. All in upcoming for March, they have youth camps. They'll have spring break camps from 9 a.m. to noon and a second session from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. If you have a need for child care, we definitely recommend checking out the Arizona Sports Complex and please tell them that the Rising is One podcast sent you. We'll open up this week's episode with an analysis of the final Phoenix Rising playoff match, which took place this past Saturday in Tucson at the Kino Sports Complex against OKC Energy. Phoenix Rising dropped the match 2 to nothing against a very spirited conference foe in what looks to be a burgeoning conference rivalry. Here's Dom and Kyle with your hot takes. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns and I'm joined by Kyle Mackey. How are you doing, Kyle? You know, I'm, I'm doing great. Um, just got back from my buddy's wedding last night, so still recovering slightly there. But, uh, you know, now now that all I have in my next two weeks is this first rising match away at San Antonio, I'm just ready to get this season started. Seems like preseasons, as, as fast as it's come, it seems like it's, you know, dragged on too long, and I'm ready for this regular season to get started. I'm ready for the hungover Kyle takes. <laughs> There will be some good ones, that's for sure. <laughs> Not uh, well thought out either. Well, speaking of things that could lead to some controversial takes, let's talk about yesterday's preseason match. So our only preseason match against a USL foe, Oklahoma City Energy. We play it down in Tucson at Kino Sports Complex. And it was a pretty strong starting lineup. Um, a lot of the regular guys that we'll expect to see on opening day were part of this lineup. It was Lubin in that, but then Dia, Cochran, Farrell, Mala, Fernandez, Lambert, Calistri, Asante, John, Spencer. And I'd say that's about 50-50 starters and key bench players. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. It's it's a little bit of a mix. And and like we said, you know, last season, this this to me would look like what a midweek match lineup might be. You know, those those Wednesday, Thursday matches that we occasionally have, I think this would be that kind of, you know, maybe not the strongest, but still a strong 11 nonetheless. And, you know, the result, it ended up being a 2-0 defeat. But I think this lineup was more about experimentation than really what an opening day lineup is going to look like. Because I heard um, Steven Hernandez, who's down in Tucson, who goes to a lot of these preseason matches, he was saying it was like a 3-5-2 with Cochran, Farrell, Mola in the back, and then uh, Dia and Fernandez kind of as wings up on the sides. Then you have you know Lambert, Calistri, Asante up higher in the midfield, and then two up at the top with Adam John and Ben Spencer. I don't think you're going to see a lot of John and Spencer together in the regular season. No, I, I don't think so either in... in... A lot of people have talked about it. It seems like 
not only Phoenix Rising, but everyone, nobody is really deploying the two-man striker system right now. And I mean, it, I, it would be fun to watch, I think, occasionally, but I don't, from what we saw in preseason, I just don't think this will be a typical way that we line up. No, I mean, potentially for midweek or, you know, potentially an open cup or something like that, but just a different look. But I wouldn't take too much stock because I don't think that's how we're going to set up during the regular season. I don't think a lot of those guys are going to play together. Like um, f- like Farrell and Mala together in the back, that's also not a starting look I would expect too often. No, no, you're absolutely right there. I think... Um, you know, when they played together the few times last season, they weren't always our strongest, you know, p- defensive pairing. And I think we can all agree now that it's, it's Cochran and Farrell, and that will probably be who's, who starts the season. Still give credit to OKC for coming out and playing well. They scored two goals in the first 30 minutes and, uh, you know, wasted no time making their mark on the game. It was... Let's see here. It was Deshaun Brown um, who started the scoring in the 12th minute for them. It looked like a pretty quick long ball. Um, and I'm, I'm judging this off of OKC Energy's Twitter page because they had some really rough angles on both those goals. Um, but just a long ball played forward, and um, Brown was able to get onto the end of it and put it in. And then the second goal in the 26th minute um, – it looked like more of a counterattack. I'm watching it right now, so pardon that noise. Um, and it was, again, it was Brown passing it uh, for the assist to Owain Gordon um, to make it 2-0. And on that one, they have a better angle, and it it just looked like one of those situations where a team was able to counterattack on us because we had a lot of guys forward. And this has been a reoccurring theme in preseason. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I, I think it's something that Rick Schantz is definitely going to be wary of, and it's it's something that as a fan, um, it, it's been very evident in this preseason that when we, we've been wanting to play this attacking, attractive style of football, but when we've been doing that and getting and having the ball turned over, we're getting caught out, we're, guys are out of position, and it's just leading to easy goals, especially against MLS and even OKC. They're, they're a top-class opponent, and, you know, those – those teams, they're not going to miss opportunities often, and uh, that's what happened, unfortunately. Well, and here's a name you might know. Um, I'm just seeing with that first goal, Kyle Highland played that long ball up um, to get things started on the first goal and then found uh, Cordell Cato. He passed it to Deshaun Brown on that first one. But going back to what you were saying about those counterattack opportunities, what do you think the key is? Because, you know, Kavon Lambert was in the starting 11 on Saturday. And on Wednesday, I was thinking, okay, he's that guy that makes the difference because he's going to plug up those holes, get back when everyone's a little too attacking-minded, and stop those opportunities. Because when we get into Wednesday's recap, there were several instances where that happened. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And I think... Um, I mean, Lambert will definitely, you know, be able to cut out the final passes at times and make that stop. But I think it can't just be him alone. Um, from what I've seen, it, it seems like 
our our backs both left and right tend to get forward when we are attacking like this and it, it really for me it just leaves our center backs almost on an island and when they're able to get stretched and spread out by the movement of the attacking players it just it puts them in almost no man's land to where they're one-on-one with with a player and then they take a shot and unfortunately our keepers either screened or just not able to make the save and it makes for you know an easy goal for the for the opponent and it's something that I think it's going to be a team collective effort rather than individual but like you said Lambert and his ability to just glide across the field with those long legs I mean he's just got such great mobility I mean he's going to be the difference maker and I really think he's going to be the engine in our midfield uh Paul Pogba of sorts almost to where he can you know we all know that he can play that ball and forward but I think this year we probably see him more in a holding role just because we we desperately need his you know leadership and great tackling ability back there right now I mean it's just been really tough to see some of these counterattacks get in for goals against us well it's just uh it's kind of frustrating because we want him to be an attacker we know he can be good in attack and yet it doesn't seem like anyone's willing to step up in that defensive mid role so we kind of need him to be that holding role at times um who else is going to step into that role i mean we'll wait to see once the season gets started we would hope james musa um we would hope maybe fernandez at times um but you know in preseason, what we've seen so far, that hasn't always been the case. So, no, it hasn't. And the one thing I will say is, I know Musa. He's he was injured at the end of last season, so he he might not be a hundred percent fit right now. He's still, you know, maybe trying to get back to complete match fitness. So maybe that's why we haven't seen him as often. But I mean, going back to last season, I think our strongest defensive midfield was when we had both Lambert and Musa in there both you know kind of guarding that back line i think that might be something that Shantz looks to go back to given that it gave us so much success mm-hmm. um so i mean okc energy had a pretty strong lineup yesterday though um they had you know another guy who they have that i didn't even realize um christian ibiega who was on uh, sacramento republic last year and had some nice goals for them he was playing. Marco Bustos has some MLS experience uh, for Vancouver Whitecaps. He subbed on. Um, so maybe OKC is going to be a better team than a lot of people are thinking this year. They definitely played better as the season went on in 2018. And so maybe that's a dangerous team to look out for. But, um, but yeah, just kind of a frustrating afternoon um, to not get on the score sheet at least once and it seemed like they had opportunities more opportunities to make it three nil than we had to make it two one if that makes any sense oh absolutely and i i mean it's it's not really what you want to hear um as a rising fan but i mean you can also look at it on the flip side that maybe it was close to being three nil because we were pushing forward attacking wise and trying to get that you know goal to at least get us within reaching distance and you know it ultimately didn't happen but we can you know be glad that we didn't concede a third goal at least we were able to tighten it up in that second half um but yeah not the result you want to see disappointing for sure but 
Um, like we talked about, this is preseason. This is this is where we want to have these results happen and get all the kinks worked out. So come March 9th, we can take San Antonio to full 90. I will I will say this though, a, a big silver lining, something that we should be really excited about, and FC Tucson fans should be through the moon about. Um, Brandon Keniston came in in the second half and made a couple huge saves. Um, a big one in the 60th minute, an even bigger one in the 73rd. Um, it was a 1v1 situation, and he, he got big, and he made a kick save. So it's really good to see him get the clean sheet in 45 minutes. That's, this was definitely his best performance of the preseason, and um, that's something to watch for because, you know, should one of our, our starting keepers get injured, Keniston's going to take that spot probably and see a lot of caps for rising. And if not, he'll have chances to play for Tucson, I would imagine. So that's a really good sign. Yeah, no. And the dude's young, too. He's like 17. Yeah, I mean, 17 years old to play in a preseason friendly in a game that you're already down two goals and to to hold a clean sheet when you know that Rising was, was pushing in that second half and probably left him open. Like you said, he had a few good saves, so great for him great for his confidence i think you know whether he's you know in phoenix rising or in tucson this season i'm sure we'll see him in a little bit of each i think getting him regular minutes is going to be so critical because to his development i mean you said he's 17 he's so young but if we're able to you know keep him within our club system and develop him i i mean i think it's a great opportunity for phoenix to have you know a class goalkeeper that you know is homegrown and they've had him had time to develop him how they see fit i think it's just it's something that i really look forward to with this club i'd I'd love to see us develop more and more local talent yeah and you know i i wonder i wonder um how much of yesterday's performance was impacted by like weather and bizarre things going down in tucson because it was snowing there on friday and Rising had a tweet, due to team travel, our match will now be kicking off at 2.45. So I don't know if that if the team bus was going through some stuff. Maybe the players were just, you know, shook by all that. But, you know, whatever. It's preseason. Um, let's go to the match that we want to talk about now. Thanks, Tom and Kyle. But before we get to the Portland Timbers match, we want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves are scarves made easy. Shop roughneckscarves.com for custom scarves, U.S. soccer, MLS, Premier League, and more. I was also down there in Tucson to watch at least a portion of the match as my son was in an AYSO tournament, and I was able to make it down to Kino Sports Complex for the second half of the game. I will say that Dom had it right. There was a lot of traffic issues as the result of the weather. In fact, there were two major accidents on the I-10, which delayed a lot of folks from making their way down to Tucson. So that definitely played a role into Phoenix Rising's later-than-planned start for the game against OKC Energy. But now let's go ahead and hear Dom and Kyle's thoughts on Phoenix Rising versus Portland Timbers, which took place on February 20th at Kino Sports Complex. So Wednesday night, we play Portland Timbers, um, Western Conference champions last year, and they were starting yep. a lot of strong guys. 
Um, what were your impressions on the first half of this match for Phoenix? Um, I mean, I was I was impressed just us being able to go out there and go toe to toe with, as you said, the MLS Western Conference champions versus the USL Western Conference champions. I think that was really cool to see that Division One and Division Two Western Conference champs face off. And yeah, I mean, Rising they they played a very strong first half. I mean. There was definitely some worrying moments, but I think all around, you know, to get out of that first half at a deadlock nil-nil against a team that featured, you know, top-class Portland Timber players, seeing Diego Valeri out there, I was really bummed I didn't get to go down to Tucson and watch him play because he's, he's one of my favorite MLS players. And to see the rising be able to c- control him and players like Mbobasi and Aspria, I mean, it that really was comforting to me to see, you know, yeah, we had some difficult games against other MLS opponents, but in this game, it seemed like Sean put out what he thinks is maybe our strongest 11. And I think it really showed. Yeah, it was, it was definitely very close to what our starting 11 would be on opening day. Um, When I was, when I saw that we were going to have two matches that day, I was wondering, all right, how many of our guys are going to get split to that other starting 11 and you know it turned out not too many what we should keep in mind too is uh, Schaff Brewer Jr. and Lamar Batista were guest players for us on Wednesday night and they plugged right into the starting 11 um, Batista as a center back and Brewer was actually playing left back in this match or right back excuse me um, and he played pretty well I thought I was very surprised to see that because last year he was just playing up top for us what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a different look. From what I've heard, I believe that LAFC's been experiment, experimenting with Brewer in that, you know, back, left back, right back, sorry, position. Um, I, I mean, the one thing I will say is the kids got speed. I mean, I just saw multiple times where I don't remember who it was on Portland, but he would just take them on 1v1 and just glide past them. And I think having a player like that on both, the left and right with Dia and Brewer respectively would be such a huge asset. I know that Brewer, as you said, him and Batista were both just guest players, but we had him on loan last season. I think if, if you know Phoenix Rising was able to do a little bit more business with LAFC and get one or both of those players, I think that'd be you know just another great piece of depth to have. Batista, actually, I'm a little bit higher on than Brewer in that outing just because, I mean, the balls that that guy can play with, you know, from a center back position to just put it on a dime to some of the passes that he was making. I mean, they were just insane at times. He's just so confident for such a young player on the ball. I I really like that, and I know Shantz likes that too. Very similar to A.J. Cochran. Definitely. Um, When this match started, I was expecting Timbers to control most of the possession, kind of take it to us, but that's not really what happened. And even the Portland announcers were very quick to admit that the first part of that first half, we had the better possession. We had the better run of play. And then things kind of switched around as the half went on. But, I mean, to hold this strong timber starting 11 um, that didn't just have Diego Valeri, but um, Ebo Bise was kind of a guy that switched between timbers and T2. Um, Aspria yep. is a guy that frequently played for Timbers last year. Uh, Viafana, like, these are pretty big names, and we had a lot of the possession. 
we weren't able to create quality chances too much. Um, but then as the half went on, I think things opened up more for both teams. Um, you know, Timbers getting a couple chances off of giveaways from us, but, um, you know, not able to capitalize. The big save that happened in that first half was Carl Wazinski getting huge in the 19th minute. This is one of those giveaways you were talking about. And uh, Ebobise was one-on-one with him, and Carl just got enough of it with his thigh. That's why you don't skip leg day, so that you have a little bit of extra meat down there. And he just got it, and then we were able to clear. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say? Like, everyone was, you know, ready to go and playing at their best. Like, Carl making saves. Um, Lambert being a boss in the midfield. Um and then t- late in the first half, we were able to build up the right wing a couple times. We were looking for Adam John. There was, we just couldn't find, you know, the connection at the end of those balls. Lambert had a good chance in the box that he just put well over the bar. But guys were getting active and getting into good spots. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was definitely promising. Um, just to go back to that save by Waz, such a huge save because I think. If Portland does score early on in the in the match like that, I think we see a completely different result. Um, so just to, to be able to keep us in the match, to keep us still at nil-nil, such a huge save by Waz. And as you said, we were definitely looking to get service to John, and I think it was it was difficult at times because it seemed like we were, you know, like you said, trying to play maybe more long balls up to him, and that wasn't always working. Portland, you know, they have big strong center backs and they were able to he- just head it out and clear and reset um but i mean uh, just the fact that we were able to stick with it and to be persistent in our attack that was a great sign against you know a top mls side well and then right after halftime we get another golden opportunity when a timbers defender just kind of slips and it sets up john 1v1 maybe he could have done better with this opportunity because he kind of hit it right at the timbers keeper um, when maybe there was a little bit of open space, but that's it, a tough play. I mean, you got to hit it right away. Um, but, you know, we were starting to get those chances, and we were still uh, doing very well with control, I felt. No, you're, you're absolutely right, and I, it, it was very encouraging to watch. It, it seemed like, you know, we were still in this match. We still had, you know, a lot of great possession, great opportunities. And that's something that we didn't always see in other matches. So to see that, I think that was, you know, it was just something that a big positive we can take from this, you know, that we're not being, you know, discouraged against an opponent that's very difficult to break down, very difficult to get through and to connect passes. That was what I saw the most was, Playing the ball out of the back, we seem to be very well at. But once we seem to get into their attacking third, they would just hunker down, cut the ball out, and reset. And, you know, if we were able to just stay persistent and to keep it up, and, you know, eventually we were uh, we got something out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know this is something we already addressed briefly, but having Kavan in that central midfield role he was everywhere in this match before he got subbed out. Like, just in the first half, I counted, like, three times in a 10-minute stretch where he made crucial interceptions when Timbers 2 was, like, trying to break on us. He read those plays before they happened, and he got in the right spot, and he would just get a toe in 
or he would totally stop it and regain possession for us. He just has that intellect. He just has that ability to see things a second before everyone else. And it saved us a few times. Not only that, but getting forward too. I mean, you see that he's more comfortable getting forward. He wasn't able to put the best shots on target. He had a couple misses that went well over. But he's getting in the right spots in addition to, you know, kind of being like the middle linebacker um, that has to go into coverage and, you know, guard a tight end or something like that where he's reading the game and he's able to get in those right spots to save us. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he has amazing vision. And as you said, that middle linebacker kind of role to where he almost just roves. He kind of controls that whole whole portion of the field. And we do love to see him, you know, get forward and create attacking opportunities. But, uh, I mean, for me, I not if it's going to be at the expense of defense. And we just saw against an MLS team, like you said, he he bossed the that back line. And um, it, it's it's just so great to see. And it's something that, we all talked about that we thought Lambert could be moving on this season to a you know, bigger MLS team. And I think that after watching that match, some MLS teams might be looking at him and saying, well, he is a player that we really could assign to improve our team, but we weren't able to. So, I mean, I'm just so happy that we were able to retain him this year. Definitely their loss. Um, yeah, absolutely. And dude with a killer personality, you can go back to the end of last week's episode and check out the interview we had with Kavon um, but moving forward in this match you know Junior Flemings was pretty active throughout this match and in the 67th minute he had a pretty nice run unfortunately his shot went off of Adam John um, probably would have been saved anyways because he he couldn't put it in one corner or another but um, good to see him get active he he's been active throughout the preseason he just hasn't had the goals yet and you know, this does sound a little familiar to early 2018 Billy Forbes, but I, I, I'm I, still keeping the faith. I still think he has a lot of promise. Um, you know, as the match went on, Timbers, to, or Timbers briefly had a goal. Um, but the nice thing about uh, MLS preseason in Tucson is that they do have VAR. And they yep. did VAR, and the goal got called off. And rightly so. I mean, I, would you agree that it, it was not a good goal? I actually didn't get to see the very end of this match, so I didn't see it. But uh... Okay. Yeah, no, uh, from from what I saw, I mean, just a clear Timbers player offsides um, interfering with play and, and you know, overturn the goal. I, it was something that when I first saw it, I saw the referee do the VAR symbol, and I was – I was kind of puzzled at first. I was like, wait, they have VAR in a, an MLS preseason match? So, I mean, awesome to our first experience with it as Phoenix Rising, and I think we were very fortunate that that call went our way. So, um, I mean, just really cool and um, just something that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this video replay affects all leagues going forward. Definitely something that uh, we don't have during the regular season and definitely something that would be appreciated considering the quality of refing by USL pro refs. I can't, yeah, I, I can't imagine <laughs> us getting screwed by any calls at any point during the season. Nowhere near as many as we did last season. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
you know, it looked like it was petering out towards a nil-nil draw when we get an absolutely beautiful goal. I mean, if you see this oh, on your, oh, I mean, if you see this on your timeline, like there should be an NSFW tag because this is. <laughs> no, abs- absolutely, and I mean, I, I think this goal is a visual representation to all the fans of exactly the style of football that Rick Schantz wants to play. You know, a beautiful, quick, attacking-minded, attractive football. And, I mean, just, I mean, for me, it's insane to see Waz kick the ball as far as he does, gets it out to Flemings on the wing, who can, actually, no, he gets it to Jan, who gives it to Flemings, who gets it back to Jan. And then Jan takes it on a run, and like you said, just not safe for work. That that <laughs> cut he takes to the inside and that curling shot, it was what? It was probably about 8.45, 8.50 at night. My girlfriend, who gets up at 4.30 for work, was already in bed going to sleep. And I'm in the living room screaming my ass off, just going insane. Not to mention this was it was in the 88th minute. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So late... Late match, huge goal by Adam Yon. I mean, I, I was going insane. I'm sure my neighbors thought that, you know, that somebody had just won the Super Bowl because I was I was just going off in my house, screaming my lungs out. So such a great goal, so exciting. And, I mean, I just I feel so great for the team to be able to get that goal late in the match like that against an opponent that they all knew it was going to be a very, very difficult 90 minutes. And they, they did not give up and... They were surely paid back for it. For sure. Um, I like the Dutch pronunciation there of Jan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he goes with John because there's America. We're going to call him Adam John. Well, see, that's, I know a Jan. I, I have friends who are the Jans here, spelled the exact same. So I get it mixed up. I go either way. I was actually with my friend Kyle Jan last night. No relation to Adam Jan, but they are, you know, some big, like you said, Dutch, just tall, just strong, athletic folk, and it's either way. You know, I appreciate him, whether it's a hard, <laughs> soft A. You know, it's a, we all got love for Adam. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, amazing goal. I think we got to give more credit and put some more respect on that pass by Junior Flemings because that was a delight to put it over the defender like that to get it right onto Adam's chest like that. There was such a small window of success for that to work because there was a defender tracking John's run, too. This was not a play where the defense was just absolutely falling asleep. I mean, first, John wins that header very Chris Cortez style, but then for that pass to hit him right there in stride like that, because if that ball is another foot forward, we probably just lose it right there, or he has to take a big touch and it, it prevents the scoring opportunity. If it's a foot behind him, then he has to hold everything up, and it just ruins the momentum either way. So that pass had to be perfect. Then for John to be able to take the touch, keep his momentum going, fake two defenders out, and then curl that ball in. Like, I was playing basketball with my friends that night because that's what we do on Wednesdays. That's our one night a week. And afterwards, we are just hanging out, and I, I'm on Twitter. I want to see what the result was. I figured, like, ah, we probably gave it a good effort, maybe a tie, maybe a one-no loss. Um, and then when I saw that goal, like, they're, they're just talking about other stuff. And I'm like, oh! 
<laughs> and uh, one of them was like, man, I didn't know you were that excited about my baby. I'm like, no, man, you got to check this goal out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... It, and then my I, other friends at my back, they're like, yeah, that was pretty nice. <laughs> your, your baby's awesome and stuff, but check this out. No, I... I I remember seeing afterwards. Let me know when your baby breaks four (laughs) ankles and then curls it into the top right corner. Against the Division I Western Conference champs, nonetheless. Yeah, this isn't right. I mean, AYSO. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) No, and to go back to that pass that Fleming's made, Rick Schantz even said that when when he saw Junior make that, he he almost didn't like it at first because he – he he saw that the success rate was so low, but I mean, just for me, very reminiscent of those quick counterattacking goals by Asante and Cortez last season. I mean, just quick, you know, back and forth, one-two play with each other, and just getting it out and getting that quick opportunity. And as you said, just breaking defenders' ankles. Did Jan? And I mean, it. it I. I really think that he is going to be a top-class striker in the USL. I know that he didn't get all the attention in MLS, but he is a very seasoned veteran, and I think we could expect a lot of goals from John this season. Oh, for sure. Um, You know, an underrated part of that, too, is Carl Wazinski is able to get a good ball forward. And we've seen in the preseason, Rick Schantz will be the first to admit this, too, Carl's better with the ball on his feet than Zach Lubin. If Zach Lubin's in there, maybe we don't have that whole attack because the ball's a few yards shorter, and instead of playing it forward for Flemings, John has to play it back for one of our defenders. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, and it's not a slight against Lubin. Um, it's just we've seen better footwork and better, you know, passing from Waz and. I just I agree with you. I don't think that ball gets gets to where it needs to go, um, and that's I mean that's one of the advantages we have with two great goalies. And you know I think that Waz might be favored just for his footwork, but as you said, he's he's also had some difficult matches in preseason. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see who starts the season. But I think regardless, either one of these keepers could start on any day, and there will be a lot of competition. I know in the in the training sessions throughout the year. For sure. Um, Well, with all that being said, we should turn our attention to the first match on Wednesday. Um, We won't spend as much time on it because, let's be honest, this was a majority FC Tucson lineup that we played. Um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this was FC Tucson versus New York Red Bulls 2 because the Red Bulls we're in Champions League. Um, so, I mean, don't take too much away from it unless you're Steven down in Tucson. Then a very important match. But, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting lineups. We did have Jason Johnson in that starting 11. We did have Ben Spencer. We did have Lubin in net. And we had Kalistri uh, kind of in that attacking mid. But, uh, you know, we played all right to start this match. I didn't see too much at the beginning, but um, early on we had a, a goal that was called offsides, and it looked like the right call. Um, I don't know who got on the end of that, but it, it did look like the right call there. Uh, ben Spencer, I think, actually, was on the I think, end. I think. 
and uh, just called off sides there. Um, then moments later, he had another chance and hit the post in the 10th minute. Um, early on, we were able to find space against Red Bulls, and, you know, at the 30-minute mark, I figured that we would be doing pretty well in this match and that we would get a win. Um, that's because in the 29th minute, Jason Johnson um, connects with a really well-taken goal. I don't know who played him through on that goal, but um, it was very well-taken. He has a touch, gets his feet set, and then calmly rolls it into that bottom right corner. And the big thing that stands out for me here is composure. Because Johnson is able to get in these situations, and it seems like last year he just wasn't quite finishing. Maybe just the keepers were making some good saves on him. Maybe he was hitting it right at them and not quite getting his feet set right. But here he just did a great job and put it in the perfect spot. He did. And I believe it was um, Moshi Perez, the FC Tucson player, who who played that pass to him. And it was such a great ball, perfectly weighted. And like you said, Johnson just takes that shot in stride, slots at home. And um, yes, uh, you know, uh, that's one of those goals that I think we saw from Jason Johnson two seasons ago quite often, maybe not as much last season. And I think it's something that hopefully we'll get to see more of this year. He's he's really had a great impact. And just to see him score, as you said, in that game, it was a lot of FC Tucson players. But to see a key Phoenix Rising player get his name on the score sheet um it's great for his confidence and i think it's it's going to be you know just another great asset to have i mean we have so many strong players in the midfield and on the wings that it's really going to be interesting and just exciting to watch these guys go out there and compete and play their best every single match yeah and then um red bulls did tie it shortly afterwards um and so the match goes in halftime at 1-1 you know, still, you're thinking, all right, like a pretty good showing here. Maybe we draw, maybe we get a win. Um, I can't imagine like Red Bulls too are going to be just breaking our doors down in the second half, and yet that's exactly what happened in the second half. Um, just, you know, the this is the part I did see too, is just acres of space on some of these goals. You know, 47th minute, they get a quick goal. 49th minute, Ben Mines plays it in for another easy goal. Um, 52nd minute, they put another one in. I was frustrated after the two to make it 1-3, so I didn't even see the fourth one. They put a fourth one in. Um, and then this is this is where the take quakes start because now, I mean, you're talking about the three preseason matches, you know, including that one. We're talking about the 4-1 loss to Real, Salt Lake we're talking now it's 1-4 to Red Bulls and then um who did we play before that where we gave up a ton of goals 5-1 to Red Bulls in Oro Valley oh yeah yeah so I mean at this point strong Red Bulls team right stronger Red Bull side that that was the one that mostly played in the CONCACAF Champions League but um, yes but yeah you're thinking like what is going on here this is this is ridiculous. We're giving them way too many good chances. Um, and, and at that point, it had been 13, I think, thir- or no, maybe, I think it was 13 goals allowed or 12 goals allowed in like 200 minutes of play, which 
you know, I don't care if it's Rising guys, Tucson guys. That's that's just insane. That's way too much. Yeah, no, it's concerning no matter what because you're you're kind of creating an environment to where it's common and comfortable for well, not comfortable, but they're just used to goals being scored on them. And I mean, it, it makes me think of Fulham, and I watched the West Ham Fulham game on Friday, and I mean, they're one of those teams now that. When goals get scored on them, that could possibly be offsides. They're not. They're not contesting it. They're not. You know, tr- showing like they're really worth it. It's just another goal, and it's not. It's not a mentality that Rising wants to get into. That we're giving up a lot of goals and putting ourselves into deep holes because it's just so difficult to get your attacking players to work out of those and to be able to to develop something when you're having to constantly defend and keep yourself from being shot at. Um, I really, really just. It seems like it's been more experimentation maybe that's caused all these defensive frailties, but it is something that you know that Peter Ramage is not happy with right now. We all know how defensive-minded he is and how he's seeing these results and these soft, quote-unquote, goals to be put in, and it's just it's something that's going to have to change. For sure, and you know, part of the experimentation is building out of the back and, you know, losing some balls in dangerous spots. Um, and that was definitely a contributing factor in some of those goals. On a brighter note, in the 67th minute, Joey Calistri uh, opened his scoring account for Phoenix Rising with one of the most classically small goal goals you will ever see. Um, just running up the right side uh, at a tough angle and just roofs it, freaking blasts it, as the keeper is going down low, trying to cover opposite post, um, I I hate when that happens. But there's nothing you can do as a keeper because if they're gonna roof it and hit it in the right spot, your body is not large enough to cover that and try to cover the opposite post. You might as well take away the low thing and give him that. And if he's gonna take it, tip your cap. Like that's just a great goal, and that's what Kalistri did. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with small goal. Uh, <laughs> it's a much smaller field, much smaller goals. A better comp might be uh, Donovan against Slovenia, the 2010 World Cup, where he roofed it uh, to tie that match. So, um, But yeah, that same kind of thing. Great scoring mentality there uh, because he could have played a ball back. Um, he could have tried to get cute with it, but nope, he just he blasted it. And uh, hopefully a sign of things to come. But then Red Bull scored again, and it ended 5-2. So what, what were your thoughts on, on the Kalistri goal and the performance as a whole? Um, yeah, I mean, great that he got a goal. I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's very important that both him and Jason Johnson both got goals out of this match. That's one positive we can take away because, you know, if they both can at least start getting in good scoring form, at least get their confidence up and, you know, get comfortable and show Rick Schantz that, you know, they have the knack for goals too. Um, I, it's just another great way they're going to work themselves into the team. As you said, I mean, this this match, I think we could take more of what not to do than what to do from it. Um, but, I mean, it, it should be a good learning experience for both the FC Tucson and the Rising players that were involved. Just something that, you know, they all can learn from and get better from. And, you know, as you said, it seemed like a lot of the time that we were just giving them acres and acres of space and, that's something that, you know, we've seen us try to press more and it, it can be very difficult to do it as a team at times and to stay in your correct formation. And 
I think this match showed that and that, you know, there's still things that need to be improved upon, but we still have, you know, 13 days till the season kicks off. So I think it's definitely stuff that could be fixed in that time. So a uh, pretty good effort there by the guys. Um, and I think that wraps up like our, our preseason recap um, of those three games and we can move into some other stuff. Thanks, Dom and Kyle, for wrapping up Phoenix Rising's final three games of the Mobile Mini Sun Cup. In case you were interested, the winner of the uh, 2019 Mobile Mini Sun Cup is FC Dallas, with three points per game on average. They played three matches, zero losses, and zero ties. Following FC Dallas is Portland Timbers, with 1.75 points per game and four matches played. In third place, New York Red Bulls, three games played, one win, one loss, and one tie. In fourth, Real Salt Lake, with three games played, one win, two losses, no ties. Then we have Phoenix Rising, three games played, one win, two losses, zero ties. And rounding out is Seattle Sounders, who played two games and had two losses. This year's Mobile Mini Sun Cup was an excellent success and also saw play by the Minnesota United, Houston Dynamo, Sporting Kansas City, the Dynamo and Kansas City Reserve teams, the New York Red Bull Reserves, and in an exhibition game to end the season, OKC Energy FC. Top goal scorer was Jeremy, Jeremy Ebowisi with Portland Timbers with three goals, and the best player was named Jesus Ferreria with FC Dallas. Not a lot of soccer to be played over the next couple weeks, with Phoenix Rising's home match on Saturday, March 16th at 7.30 at Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. You can get your tickets at phxrisingfc.com. In the meantime, feel free to check out FC Arizona, who will be playing at Mesa High School on Friday, March 8th against City of Angels FC as part of their NPSL season. Single game tickets are $12 for adults, $5 for children, or get an adult season ticket membership, which includes entrance to all the NPSL home games, a 15% discount on merchandise, and entrance to the new FC Arizona Women's Professional Soccer League games. Also, enjoy priority to all game day promos and events. For more information on FC Arizona, visit fcarizona.com. Next up in our lineup, we're off to play where in the world is we will turn our attention to two guys that haven't really shown their faces in rising jerseys in practice anywhere lately um and this is something we were talking about off air but where in the world are gladson awako and evan waldrop we went on an instagram or uh excuse me a Twitter uh, investigation, and the <laughs> results were kind of interesting. Um, so the the most recent thing that Awako had liked, Phoenix Rising related, February 14th, he liked a post from Devin Vega and a post from Rick Schantz. Since then, he liked a few posts from this team in Ghana. Um, I, I forget the name. It was actually like Asante Kiwono or something. Um 
but he liked a few posts from them. I mean, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, if we went off of Kavon Lambert's likes in the offseason, he would have been in an FC Cincinnati jersey right now. But uh, interesting. And then Evan Waldrop has not liked anything Phoenix Rising related in the year 2019. Nothing by any Phoenix Rising players. Nothing team-related. To be fair, he hasn't liked anything from any USL teams. Just just a lot of, like, European stuff. Um, and, like, pretty standard, like, young adult Twitter likes. Um, so, yeah, just not nothing too crazy. But where are these guys? I, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. And it's... I looked it up. It's Asante Kotoko is what is that uh, club in Ghana that Gladson Owako had liked. And they, according to Google, they've been the champions of the Ghana Premier League a record 24 times and have won the CAF Champions League twice. So definitely, you know, they have pedigree as a club. It will be interesting to see what happens with Owako just because, I mean, he was announced as a signing on November 20th and since then, I mean, there really hasn't been much about him. We haven't seen him in, in or around the club at all. Um, very interesting. And just given the fact that we have so much depth at his position in the midfield as an attacking midfielder, um, it's it's really kind of makes me question as to whether we do see him when the season starts. Waldrop as well. He's one that, you know, we kind of, Talked about there was rumors of him going to RGV and being down there. Um, but, it, I mean, it is. It's it's almost kind of just making it a clear fact that he won't be back. The fact that we haven't heard anything about him at all. He hasn't been active liking anything in regards to the team. We haven't seen him possibly show up near and around the FC Tucson Academy. I mean, it, we just we haven't really heard anything about him. So... One thing that I was kind of speculating is maybe he's looking at going back to Europe and getting a little bit more experience there. I know he was in Portugal prior to coming back to the U.S., so maybe that's something he's looking into. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I really hope the best for him. You know, he's he was our first local signing, and I think it, you know, it's, it'd be great to see him go on and do great things. You know, I would, I would keep an eye on his name in the next couple of weeks because you— the more I think about it, the more I could see him signing on with one of those two teams, like Luton United, who only has like two or three guys signed. That could be an option. Um, Tacoma Defiance, that could be an option. I mean, he's good enough to be getting regular minutes for some USL teams. Even though the season's starting soon, he still could jump in and play relatively quickly. So that wouldn't surprise me too much. Um, you know, maybe a League One team that has a lot of exposure. So maybe not Forward Madison, maybe Forward Madison, um, but maybe one of the other ones out on the Eastern, you know, out on the East Coast, just so he has a different experience because he's really been in Arizona his whole life. Um, that's kind of surprising, though, that, you know, going into the offseason, we would have expected, like, okay, maybe he's like a Cody Wakasa. We resign him, but he plays mostly in Tucson. Um, I, and I'm, I'm a little surprised that that hasn't been the case, but, you know, I do think that there are options for him and maybe he sees himself as a guy with MLS potential. And, you know, if that's the case, then a two team or an art, like an RGV could make sense. It's just weird that there's been so much silence for so long 
and uh you know i could i do know his agent but i'm not gonna pry like that that's just there are some places that are off limits but uh it is interesting and you hope no matter what that he finds an opportunity and that things work out but i mean what are your what's your gut reaction do you think either of these guys are coming back <sighs> i would have to say a waco i'm almost 50 50 it, it seems like he could come back but i also as you said i would not be surprised if he signs for some club in in ghana or africa or elsewhere um i don't think waldrop comes back just because Rick Schantz made it a point to bring him in last season, and he really seemed to be one of Schantz's guys. And I would just think that if, if that were still the case and that Evan wanted to be there and Rick wanted him as well, he would be a part of Phoenix Rising in some capacity. He'd be either with the first team or down in Tucson. So I, I would agree with you. I think Waldrip, it's likely he signs for maybe another, yeah, League One, League Two side possibly even. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll just have to see. And then Awako, I, I don't know. I mean, Awako, I just, I have a funny feeling that we made all the, we made, we re-signed him, but then we made more attacking signings in the midfield. You know, Vega's stepped up a lot. Aguinaga as well. I think I love to see Jose and Aguinaga in that role. I mean, just his, his ability to turn on the ball and go forward with it. It's something that I think we've been missing. And, um, I, I just I really don't know. I I just wonder if his lack of impact last season that Awako had just kind of leads him to want to move on and Phoenix maybe they just cut ties mutually. We'll see. I I just I'm thinking that going into the off season both those guys were potential re-signs, but then the way things shook out, being yep. able to being able to sign additional midfielders and to re-sign Vega and Kavon Lambert because I did not think that both those guys were going to re-sign. I thought maybe one of those guys would re-sign. The fact that we got both of them back, okay, now that that uh, limits the number of available midfield spots. Then you throw Aguinaga in the mix, and you re-sign Musa. I mean, there's just, where is the space? And you re-sign Rigi. So, yeah. there's just, there's and just not... Sante. I mean, we just, exactly. We it's There's just so many guys that it, it almost seems like He's kind of been the odd man out. All right, guys, I'm going to have to cut in here for just a second. Just want to let our fans know that Gladson Owako did, in fact, re-sign with Phoenix Rising. He was one of the first folks who was announced as a signing. Uh, unfortunately, due to some visa issues, his arrival back in the United States has been delayed. But... Things are in the works, and uh, we should see Gladson Owako back in Phoenix sometime soon. All right, guys, back to you. Anyways, enough with just absolute wild speculation. Although it, it is relevant. Like, where are these guys? They had roles with us last year, and now it looks like they aren't. Um, you know, so that's interesting. Moving forward, it looks like that's the end of our preseason. Um, maybe there will be a closed-door match before March 9th against San Antonio that is coming up so fast. That's 13 days from now and 12 or less by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, what are your takeaways from this preseason? Let's review it as a whole and just give me like three of your takeaways from this preseason. Uh, well, the first thing that we need to consider when we look at this preseason as a whole is we played 
very good MLS teams that were late in their preseason cycles getting ready for CONCACAF Champions League and the MLS season. So these results, while they didn't go Phoenix Rising's way, there was a lot of good play by Phoenix Rising. I think a lot of lessons learned as well. Um, and we're definitely starting to see that we're seeing a different style of play. We're not seeing the same counterattacking one-two punch type Phoenix Rising we saw last season. We're seeing a more consistent Phoenix Rising team that will get in there, hold possession, and try and press and go toe-to-toe and straight up. And I really like it. I think it's very entertaining to watch. It can be frustrating as well because we're seeing the mistakes right now. Um, but I, I think I think that we have nothing to be down about right now. I mean, the season has yet to start. We're all still sitting on zero points. Um, so, I mean, we can't we can't really say that, oh, this is going to be a terrible season. Oh, you know, we're conceding goals like crazy, yes, but it's it's preseason. There's still, you know, room for error. I think that we will definitely see a stronger and a much better team 13 days from now in, in San Antonio, and I really, really expect to see us grow from this preseason. Um, the one thing that I think we could do better on is – just getting back and marking our men as a whole and not getting out of position when we are attacking. That's the one thing I saw a lot of is that when the midfield and even some of the defensive midfielder players would push up, the rest of our back line would push up as well, and especially our backs. And when they would just get beat out on the wings, it would just create easy opportunities for these MLS sides to play a pass into the box. And they all have at least one or two great finishers and you know a lot of the time that's who the ball was getting to and that's how goals were made but I mean it's not something down to be about it's we played teams that are of a completely different class than we are currently um but I I think also we kept very close to some of those teams I mean think about our first game a nil-nil draw with Minnesota United where we Um, had the better of the play exactly that match could have easily gone our way um I, I mean, I, that Sporting KC match as well, that match, I, I mean, we played very well in that match. And they're a very, very tough team. KC is always a very difficult opponent. So I, I think we can hold our heads high in that match as well. There were some blowouts, but I don't think those are reflective of who this team is. And those, when those happened, they were definitely not our strongest team at the time. On some occasions, yes, but not every time. So I think I think we have plenty of you know plenty to play for right now and plenty of room to grow as the season goes on. I definitely see us as a top USL side in the West. I mean, I think there's no question. A lot of people are calling us favorites almost. So it, it's it's going to be very very exciting. Um, but I mean, it's it's been a great preseason. I mean, I, I I'm can't say that you know I'm want more of it. I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for this season to start and to have a match every week to watch (laughs) i'm sick of having to follow along on twitter like yesterday so um yeah man i'm just i'm so ready i really think i think that things do look promising for us we still have you know room to grow we still have you know little tweaks here and there with this new system being put into place but i think it's going to be really really fun to watch when it's in full effect for sure um for me you know three takeaways i have um Carl Wazinski is our clear number one goalie. Going into preseason, there was a lot of talk about, you know, is this the year that um, 
it becomes more of a a real 50-50 timeshare between Lubin and and Wisniewski. Um and it just you know, based off of the preseason, Carl is in better form. Um he's better with the ball on his feet. He like prevents rebounds better than Zach Lubin in my opinion. And you know, to me he's the clear number 1. So unless he gets hurt or there's like a, a midweek match or that kind of thing, he's got to be starting for us. Um Number two is Kevon Lambert is just going to be crucial. I think if he misses any time this season, we don't have a guy that can fill his role in that central midfield as like a defender, as that middle linebacker to shut things down and then still build the attack. I think our form suffers if he's hurt at all or misses any time, which is a real possibility because this is a gold cup year. Um, So... You know, Kavon Lambert's importance to this team cannot be overstated. He is going to be crucial. And then finally, um, I like I like a lot of our new attacking signings. I think Aguinaga had some great moves, had some great passes to build attacks. Uh, Kalistri was able to get on the score sheet. Adam John was really able to get on the score sheet. Um, you know, Ben Spencer had his moments, and then uh, even Junior Fleming's He's very active. He gets into good spots. I think those goals are going to come. I don't think he's going to be, you know, another Billy Forbes like some people would worry about. And I, I saw some people already saying, like, well, how much does he do um, in any given match? I think he is a real force to be reckoned with up that wing. You can't teach pace. You can teach composure. And I think, I think those goals are going to come for him this season. At the very least, he's an awesome super sub. So... You know, as far as our attack, I like a lot of what those new guys are bringing. So I think those are the takeaways for me. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you on all three. The one thing I will say to anyone that is doubting Junior Fleming's, go look at that buildup and that, that goal against Portland Timbers too, and tell me that you doubt him and that that ability right there on that ball to be able to play that in, in so late in a match against an opponent who's most of us would say is superior. I mean, it, that that right there just well, shows Timbers. he's got it. Timbers 2 is yes. not superior. <laughs> no, 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 Timbers. My apologies. Um, Yeah, no, just, I mean, it, absolutely insane. Insane goal, insane pass. And I, I think there's a lot more to come from Flemings. And as you said, that speed, I mean, just, just imagine him and Asante on the wings. I think, I think any team that thinks they can run with us is out of their mind. Totally agree there. Um, you know, a couple last things before we get to um, the interviews from Media Day and, you know, really kind of wrap things up. Just surveying some interesting preseason results around USL. Um, there's been talk about what is Austin Bold going to look like this season. They lose 3-1 to RGV yesterday. Um, they also only have they have a very small fan base out there um and you know their reddit basically has no one it just seems like a bad situation and i know that their roster has some big names but they seem like old guys who haven't actually done stuff for a while um do you think this means rgv is gonna be better or austin's just gonna be bad because i feel like austin's gonna crash and burn i don't know 
it, it, see, it's tough. It's tough to read into this because I mean, RGV, they've in the past they've had their very good strong seasons and then they've had their low points. Um, I mean, off of one match, I would say that I think that RGV might fare better than Austin, just given that Austin doesn't have. I mean, they're a first year team. They're an expansion. They haven't had any experience in this league. I know they have, you know, a historic coach and, and some, as you said, veteran players, but it's going to be very interesting. And, and as far as the fans go, yeah, I mean, I think that adds to it. That makes it more difficult because when, when the results aren't going their way or when, um, you know, just they don't have the energy being given to them at the matches like the Phoenix Rising Faithful does to our Phoenix Rising team, I think that really, you know, it hurts the players. It, it you know, it doesn't allow them to play up to their full potential always. And it could be really tough. And just, you know, the whole Austin situation that, yeah, they have this bold team, but how much support are they going to see when we have Austin FC incoming? You know, it's it's kind of one of those things that it seems like they're almost taking away from the USL club for this MLS club. And it would be very unfortunate to see, you know, them go through hard times like that so early on in their, you know, history. Yeah, I I would uh, I would definitely agree with that. Um, we'll see how things go, but um, that's that's a tough result for sure. Um, other interesting results. I mean, Indy Eleven are they contenders? Um, I mean, last week they beat Cincy in a preseason friendly three two, and now they lose to Forward Madison one nil. Um, so what? I don't know what's going on there. That's that's just a weird bounce back, like going from one extreme to the other, I guess. I think forward Madison could hold their own against a lot of USL teams. I think they'd be above some teams in the standings um, if they were at the championship level. But still, that's just a weird thing to see. Um, and a couple other USL teams going down. Uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies lose to Tormenta FC 3-2. And Hartford Athletic drops a 3-2 to Miami. Um, you know, also going back to last week, we talked about the Winalda hype train a couple weeks ago. Uh, they drew Colorado Rapids 2-2 on Sunday. So, you know, not as crazy as a 5-1, and granted Rapids is not a strong Western Conference team, but, you know, it's it's worth mentioning that is uh, another solid result, and maybe Winalda is building something down there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I think that Winalda, we all know him as a, a great U.S. player and I think coach as well. I mean, I think he's done very well. I know he was at the Atlanta Silverbacks for a long time and, you know, had some success there. And I think, I think that he's trying to develop a new identity for this Las Vegas club, and I think that's going to be very difficult because we all already have our preconceived notions of this team after last season as being just parody on parody on parody. And it, it's it's going to be really difficult, I think, for him at first to win people over because, as you said, these results, you know, they haven't been against the best opponents, but they have been getting results. And, I mean, if they're able to do it throughout the season and are in a good spot in the table, I don't think anyone can argue with it at that point. The one thing that everyone will say, and I will say as well, is if you want to talk about that, 5-1 win against Toronto. Just look at Toronto's previous result, and that will say about everything you need to know of the state of Toronto FC right now. So, 
Um, <laughs> back to you, Dom. Yeah, that's very fair. I mean, Toronto is definitely going garbage fire right now. It just it seems like everything's coming up crap for them. I mean, I, I feel for them honestly because to go from where they were a few seasons ago to winning the MLS Cup to see where they are now, just getting spanked in CONCACAF Champions League. It's just... Everything's coming up frozen. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, well, you know, a few other interesting results from the Western Conference. Colorado Springs took it to Reno um, on Monday, 4-1. And Reno's a team that's had some weird results. They beat San Jose 3-0 in a friendly, but then they got spanked pretty good by Colorado Springs and by the Monarchs, I think, before that. Um, Monarchs and Colorado Springs tied 2-2 on Thursday. Uh, Sac Republic and Reno, um, they played yesterday. I actually don't see the results for some of these. I'm on the um, on the Reddit page where it shows all the preseason results, but I can look some of these up, I guess. There were some interesting friendlies yesterday to kind of close out the slate. So there was, um, let's see, St. Louis versus Tulsa. Oh, gosh. I I can't even get too far into these, but um, San Antonio played El Paso. Um, you know, St. Louis played Tulsa. Uh, OC played a college team, Sac Republic versus Reno. So I can, I can kind of update on those scores, but... I don't know. Are there any teams to you that have exceeded or underwhelmed in the preseason to this point? Um, exceeded, I would say. Well, Colorado Springs, those are some impressive results, actually, for Colorado Springs, if, if you look at them just as far as the opponent they played. I'd be interested to see as far as who was on the field when, you know, those results took place. Um, I mean, in the Eastern Conference... I think that we can all all say that it's going to be a three-horse race. It's going to be Nashville, Indy, and Louie. Um, it's it's going to be really fun, I think, to see those three teams battle it out. And I, you know, I think we can all agree that it's hopefully somebody other than Louisville. I personally would really like to see Indy eleven um, in the USL Cup final. I think that they'd be a very fun team to play against. But I mean, I I think that Orange County is one team that I expected to have maybe a bigger, more impressive preseason. And I just, after, you know, how strong they were last year, I just really haven't heard too much. They haven't made too much noise. And it's just, it's something that kind of makes me, makes me wonder. But I mean, I think also they, you know, they showed last year, they have the ability to turn it on when they, uh, when they need to. Yeah. Very, very fair. Um, so I did see the uh, San Antonio El Paso matchups, and they they had a full game and they had a forty five minute game, and they both ended nil nil. Um, thrilling, thrilling wow. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that's maybe this hype about San Antonio is legit. Maybe it's not. I think El Paso is a team that's going to sneak up on people this year. Um, I, I've been very impressed. They beat um, CD Juarez, which is a team in the Mexican second division. Um, they mm-hmm. beat them 3-1 a couple weeks ago in a midweek preseason friendly that kind of went under the radar. I talked to someone over there, and they did say that um, Suarez was missing 
a lot of their first team guys. So it was okay. kind of like, you know, like a lot of second string and stuff. But still, 3-1, to one, and it was in Suarez's stadium. That's pretty damn respectable. Then they go on the road to San Antonio, and they, they hold them scoreless for 135 minutes yesterday. I, I think this team can go toe-to-toe with a lot of people, and I do see them as a playoff team. Um, that's going to be a tough away match for us early in the season. It's it's one I really want to go to, um, but you know that's going to be a tricky one. Um, St. Louis beat Tulsa three one yesterday, um, so you know Tulsa probably going to be towards the bottom again. We already covered the RGV over Austin Bold, um, and then I just got to check out Sacramento versus. Reno. Um, let's see. That match. If Twitter decides to load. It's suddenly deciding not to. There's been a lot of hype about Sacramento going into this season. And sure enough, they, they won. Um, let's see. They won 1-0 in the... It looks like they played two matches. It looks like they won... 1-0 in the second match and in the first match they won 4-1 so very impressive stuff from Sacramento so maybe that hype is justified uh, what are your thoughts on Sacramento this year I mean you're always I feel like I think I think Sacramento will be a very difficult opponent as they have been in years past. Um, I mean, they've they've been able to retain a good core of players. I believe Josh Cohen is still there in net, and we all know you know he's he's a very talented keeper at the USL level. So, I, I think Sacramento is going to be a very tough team, a team that we compete with yet again in this top of the Western Conference race. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the hype is, is definitely justified that, you know, they have a great fan base there and I think they've built a great club. Yeah, I, I was that this season. Sorry, I lost you for a couple seconds there, but I got you at the end. Um, you're not kidding about them bringing guys back. I see, uh, Bijev, Blackwood, Iwasa, um, are all part of their starting eleven. Um, that was a big signing mm-hmm. that they got Blackwood. Um, so they're they're going to be a tough team. I think that does it for like the relevant Western Conference um, preseason matches. So um, I'm just thinking, do you have any closing thoughts at this point? Um, I mean, I think I think that we're in a great position to start this season off. I mean, I, I really. I think I'm more confident this season than I was last season, just given the amount of re-signings that we have and the new players we've brought in. I mean, we've brought in some great players, talent throughout MLS, USL, and I mean, it, it's it's just great to see. I mean, this this club does such great business, and it's it's really exciting to see us be able to attract all these different kinds of players from all over and. Yeah, maybe the results haven't come as we would like so far, but I, I'm certain they will when the season starts. And just to see Rick Schantz in his first full season as head coach for Phoenix Rising, I'm, I'm just ecstatic. I'm I'm literally just counting the days now till. 
I'm counting those days down with you, uh, Kyle. Um, for me, I mean, it was a it was an interesting preseason. We got that win. We had some rough matches, but um, the biggest thing now is we get to rest. A lot of teams are still playing this week. A lot of teams are still playing next Saturday. We get two full weeks to recharge, relax, um, not have to travel, and then we'll be ready to really get things going. Um, stay tuned because we still have a couple player interviews coming up at the end of this episode. And you do not want to miss next week's episode because we have a couple good interviews, including an excellent one with Peter Ramage um, at the Media Day where he goes into his role with Phoenix Rising, his playing days with us, even some Newcastle stuff. So that's a must listen. Um, and we will be previewing the entire Western Conference along with Phoenix Rising for the 2019 season. We will be doing a in-depth season preview. You cannot miss this. So with all that being said, um, that's what I got. Do you have anything to add, Kyle? No, no, I think, you know, we've got it all. And if if we didn't get it this week, we will get it next week. Because like you said, we're going every single team, top to bottom, the entire conference predictions, we're doing it all. So definitely must listen. And kudos to you for like such a good podcast, considering you were at a wedding last night. I would be such a hot mess. Oh, thank you, man. I, I was in the wedding, too. I was me and my five best friends, you know, it was literally our best friend from high school. And it was the first time us groomsmen had gotten together in a few years. And it was, uh, it was something else, but it was a great time. You know, we, we all had good fun. Nobody got too hammered and, uh, we all made it home safely. So that's what ultimately matters. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm actually, I was struggling with a cold all week too. I've been feeling sick. So I had to, you know, had to show up for the pod I wasn't able to previously so I uh, had to be here and man I, I'm just so excited I'm literally my excitement for this season is topping everything else right now it's getting me through the day so uh let's just bring on this March 9th and I'm just ready to take out San Antonio and show that uh they may be back but not, not week one that is gonna be such a juicy matchup oh my gosh all right we will we will stop things right here listen next week and as always, go Rising Uprising. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Dom and Kyle for their excellent analysis. Also to the Arizona Sports Complex and Roughneck Scarves for their sponsorship. Keep up with all the best soccer news for the state of Arizona at firebirdsoccer.net. And for the Rising is One podcast, I'm Aaron Blau. We'll see you next week. Rising is One.